helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is titled, How to Overcome Workaholism. And I will be using a very unlikely story to talk about this subject today. It's the story of David and Uriah as found in 2 Samuel 11. I believe that Uriah is an excellent example to use to talk about this subject of workaholism. So don't turn off your radio right away because I know you have never heard this story used in that way. But as I go through the biblical text and highlight certain points, you are going to understand how this uh, passage relates to workaholism. And before I go into today's show, I wanted to just thank you listeners who have called in about the show that we did on Letting Go of Bitterness. Yes, that was last week's show, Letting Go of Bitterness. And we used the story of Joseph and Esau to illustrate the points that I covered in how to let go of bitterness. And we talked about the dangers of holding on to bitterness. And so if you missed that show, you can find it on our YouTube. YouTube channel by going to YouTube and just searching, search in YouTube for Elim Counseling Services or Elim Counseling Ministry. So I want to thank you again for joining us for yet another week to uh, to go with me through the different topics that I cover. And this week's topic, again, as I said, it's how to overcome workaholism. And I want to start by just reading that passage. It's about six verses, not not too long. But as I read these selected six verses, you will begin to get an idea of how I am using this passage. And then I am going to go on to talk about the dangers of workaholism and uh, why workaholism is a very confusing addiction. I'll also talk about what drives workaholism, the different types of workaholism, and how you can identify whether or not you are a workaholic. So I'll be using Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 6 to 12 to talk about this. And in those verses, we have the story of Uriah. And Uriah was leading a military campaign, and King David sent for him. We know the background story to that about David and Bathsheba, so I won't get into that. But just the fact that he was uh, in this, Uriah was heading this military campaign, or he was a part of this military campaign in a senior role. David sent for him to give him time off work. And we are told that when David gave him the opportunity to go home to his wife, that Uriah refused to go home. He slept at the entrance to the palace where King David was. And King David called him a second time and encouraged him to go home to, to his wife, to, to be with his wife Bathsheba. And Uriah made spiritual excuses as to why he had to stay at his workplace. Because, and he spiritualized it. In verse 11, 
he explained that he is working for the Lord and he's working for the Lord's army and for Israel and Judah. And so he could not go home to his wife while his men were at war. And so we have this story unfolding where even after King David invited him a second time, encouraged him a second time to go home, he refused and he slept at the palace. And I know many of us look at Uriah as being a very noble person. But the danger of this kind of attitude to work where you are so hyper-focused on work is that it can become a type of addiction. The term workaholism was coined in 1971 by Wayne Oates, who is a minister and a psychologist. And Wayne Oates described workaholism as the compulsion or the uncontrollable need to work incessantly. And so we see this in Uriah. Uriah had this compulsion that even when he was away from the actual battle, he had to stay at the workplace. He had to stay at the palace of King David instead of going home to his wife. And in in verse 11, when David encouraged him to go home and to be with his wife. He said, how could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. In other words, he was so hyper-focused on work and what and the tasks at hand that even when he wasn't directly involved he had to stay at the command center he had to stay at the palace with king david where he had opportunities to go to his home have you ever stopped to think about what this must have felt like for Bathsheba? Because certainly this attitude did not start with this incident. We have it recorded here. But I think this reflects the ongoing attitude of Uriah towards his work and towards his family. And so Bathsheba must have been a neglected woman. Bathsheba must have been a woman who longed for time with her husband but never had that opportunity or, or lacked those opportunities because work was paramount to him. His involvement in, in working in David's army meant everything to him. So Brian Robinson, who is a professor and a professor at the University of North Carolina and also a private psych psychotherapist said, workaholism destroys families and harms children who have greater depression. Anxiety and a greater external focus of control, which means they are people pleasers instead of following their own drum beat. So Uriah was a people pleaser. He was intent on pleasing King David, on impressing King David. And so his wife and his family was destroyed 
in the process. We all know what happened between Bathsheba and King David, that they ended up having an affair. But I think there were reasons behind uh, Bathsheba's loneliness that maybe led to her being involved with King David in the first place. And I'm not here letting King David off the hook for not being responsible. But what I am saying is that there is a bigger picture here. There is a workaholic husband in Uriah who is neglecting his wife. So workaholism can be a very confusing addiction because many of us have read the stories probably uh, hundreds of times and we have been hearing it in our Sunday schools and we have heard sermons on this story about King David and Uriah. But I think for many of us, we kind of idealize Uriah and say this man is such a dedicated warrior that he would not go home because his, his, his men were at at battle, we're, we're still fighting a war. But have you ever stopped to consider what it felt like for his wife, Uriah, who must have missed him at times, who must have longed for him to come from the battlefield and to know that her husband is in town. He's now back from the battlefield, but he's not coming home because he's so focused on his duties. So so workaholism can be very confusing because a lot of time we idealize people and we look up to people who are workaholics as being examples to follow, as go-getters, examples of how to work hard and succeed in life. But these people who are workaholics like Uriah even though they are highly functioning and successful, there are certain dangers that they are prone to and there are certain impacts that it has on their family. And uh, let me, before I go into the dangers of workaholism, let me talk about how even uh, workaholism can take on a spiritual nature because many pastors who are working very hard for their churches and for their communities can also become workaholics. And I have seen many of those families who come to see me who they're they're suffering because of workaholism within the, the family system because the pastor is so much focused on doing the, the, the work of God that he's neglecting his family and his children are suffering and his wife is suffering. And so we can spiritualize the dysfunction and make it sound like a noble thing, but it is still an addiction. It is it will still have negative consequences on the children who, as we see, we read earlier, will become depressed and have more mental health issues. Notice how Uriah spiritualized his addiction in Second Samuel 11 when he said, the ark and Second Samuel 11 verse 11, he said, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Job and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house and eat and drink and make love to my wife? As, as you live, I will not do such a thing. 
And so he's spiritualizing it. He's saying, I'm working for the Lord. I am on the side of the Lord's men. And while they are fighting, I, although I am off duty, I cannot go home to be with my wife. So as I said before, this can be looked at at as a very noble thing, as a very spiritual man, as a man who has God as a priority. But it's nevertheless a dysfunction that can could possibly be behind why his family was destroyed, why Uriah ended up why his wife Bathsheba ended up going in with King David and becoming pregnant for King David. So let me talk now about the dangers of of workaholism. Research done by Nancy Rothbard and others show that there's a big difference between working long hours and being being an alcoholic. And they showed that people who work long hours did not have many of the negative physical effects that workaholics have. As a matter of fact, they said that in the research, those people who were identified, they, 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 research, they did a research involving 3,500 employees, and they found that the workers who were workaholics, that these workers had more health complaints and had increased risk factors for cardiovascular disease and diabetes. So when we're talking about workaholism, we're not just talking here about uh, just an addiction that has no negative effect. It has effects, negative effects on families, as I have said before, but research also shows that it has negative effects on a person's health. Dr. Barbara Killinger says, quote, workaholism is a soul-destroying addiction that changes people's personality and the values they live by. It distorts the reality of each family member, threatens family security, and often leads to family breakup, unquote. So we see this in Uriah. He had this value that he was living by that said, even when I am off work, I have to stay at my work headquarters because this task is so important and so and, and is such a priority for me that spending time with my wife is not something that I am going to do while the work is still while my men are still at work. So let me now talk about different types of workaholism. So we can make the mistake to think that if you're a workaholic it has to do you have to be in a in a paid employment to be a workaholic. But you can be a workaholic in a volunteer situation. And many people who are in not for profit organizations where they're uh where they're you know in investing time, where they're volunteering their time, I should say, some of these workers can become prone 
to workaholism, where they, they end up showing a lot of the traits that we will see later on when we look at some of the signs of workaholism. So you can be a volunteer in a not-for-profit organization or elsewhere and not be a paid worker and still be classified as a workaholic. You might not even be volunteering. You may be a homemaker that you're at home and you're busily involved in keeping your house immaculately clean. And that can be classified as workaholism as well. We see an example of this in the story of Mary and Martha in the Gospels when Jesus came to their house. And Martha was so hyper-focused on on hosting and making sure that the dishes were clean and that the meal was served hot and that she was so focused on doing, doing, doing that she couldn't take time away to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to his teaching. You know you have a serious problem with workaholism if Jesus is in your house and you're too busy to sit and listen to him. So it can be work-related. I want how many of my listeners here today, if, they, if Jesus was alive and at their house, they would be too busy putting dishes away in the dishwasher that they wouldn't have time to sit and listen to the teaching of Jesus. I hope there's no one out there that would say, yes, that is me, because I, I do hope we would all take the time off and realize the magnitude of the moment and how, how important it is for us to, to sit and to listen for Jesus and that that should take priority over everything else. But Martha could not do that because work was so important to her. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Live Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been using the story of Uriah found in 2 Samuel 11 to talk about how to overcome workaholism. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. So workaholism can also be academic related, where someone is so engaged in their studies and their pursuit of excellence in in their their academic life that they have they, they have many of the traits of alcoholism. It can also be sport-related. Maybe you have, you're an aspiring athlete and you have certain desires to become pro, and so you are so obsessed with perfecting your craft that you're showing many of the signs of workaholism. So here, here are some of the signs. How do you know if you have become a workaholic? So number one sign of workaholism is that family members have begun to complain about your unavailability. Or maybe they haven't complained, but you are aware that you're taking a lot of time away from your family and you're neglecting them. If Uriah was sensitive to his wife's needs, he would, he would be aware that he's spending 
too much time away from her and that this opportunity that he was given by King David, even though the motive of King David was wrong, if he wasn't a workaholic, he would have seen the importance of going to be with his wife. But he said, no, I can't do that while my men are still at war. And so uh, family members have begun to complain that is about your unavailability. And so that's the first sign. The second sign is that you feel anxious when not working. So we see this anxiety. You know, we can all almost hear it in the way Uriah speaks in these verses. I don't have time to read all the verses, but if you read that passage, you will get a picture of Uriah's anxiety, that he was so anxious about what was going on at work. So even though he wasn't working, it's as if he was still thinking about it. His anxiety prevented him from from being able to enjoy the time off. And so he was so anxious that he couldn't separate himself from the headquarters. So people who are workaholics, it's as if they get a certain high from working. So even though Uriah wasn't in the battlefield and he was given time off by King David, it's as if being at the palace, being at the the palace of King David gave him a sort of high and he had to stay there and, and experience that high because that was what kept him going. And so if you're feeling anxious when not working, it's a sign that you have become an alcohol, a, a, a workaholic. The third sign is that work is beginning to encroach on other areas of your life. Maybe it's encroaching on your church life. It's encroaching on your vacation time. In other words, you're a church and you you can't be in the moment where you're listening to the message because you have to be checking your emails to see if someone sent you some correspondence from work. Or maybe you're on vacation and you're sitting there in this warm, tropic country, but you still are connected to the things that you have to do at work. And so you're checking your phone instead of being disconnected and just relaxing. So a sign that you're a workaholic is that it's encroaching on other areas of your life, such as your church life, your vacation life, your family time. We see this in the story of Uriah, that his work was encroaching on the time that he could be spending with his wife because he's saying, I can't go home and spend time with my wife. I am I, too anxious right now knowing that my men are at war. And even though I can't do anything about what's going on at this moment, I still have to stay connected. So if Uriah was in today's time, Uriah would be on his cell phone calling people in the battle and asking them how it's going on and checking his, his emails to see what's coming in from the battlefield, even though he has been given time off by King David, that's the anxiety, that's an example of the anxiety that drives workaholism. And so another sign of workaholism is that your thoughts are consumed by work. You're consumed about what others might think about you if you are not working. It's quite possible that Uriah may have thought, if I as a general in King David's army, were to go home and be with my wife, maybe King David won't 
see me as a hard worker anymore. Maybe I won't be, be seen as being dedicated and all for the cause. And I want to please King David. And so people who are workaholics, they're often consumed by their work and what others think about them. And so they, they, they people please by going above and beyond the call of duty. If the work day is, to, is nine to five, they will work from nine to eight for free to impress their employer. And so Uriah was doing that. Uriah had time off and he refused to go home. Another sign uh, an, another uh, sign of workaholism is that work is beginning to result in sleep problems. If you find yourself unable to sleep because you're having dreams of work, or you just can't fall asleep because there is that project that has to go in tomorrow, and even though you're finished the project, you're still thinking about it and whether or not it's going to be good enough. Or maybe you're even thinking about a, the next project that is not even due, but you have just finished one. And instead of resting and being able to disengage from that, you are still thinking about the project that's undone. And so these are some of the, the, the signs. If you are seeing any of these things in your life, it's quite possible that you are a workaholic. So now what is it that drives workaholism? How does a person becomes a workaholic? The, it's possible that people who are workaholic had performance-based childhood. Their value was based on the grades that they got in their family. They felt loved if they accomplished certain high standards of performance. And so this performance-based childhood carries over into adult lives into adult life. And these people feel as if they are striving to be loved by their employers and it's all based on their performance. And so they're, they're not just working for the paycheck like most other workers. They're working to feel love and to feel self-worth. And so there is a deeper underlying emotional need that is driving the workaholism. It's also possible that people with 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 this tendency of workaholism that they they were they had forced responsibilities during their childhood. So forced responsibilities could come about as a result of a parent having mental illness and they were the one that had to become responsible to make sure that things were done at home. Or maybe a parent died or maybe there was a divorce and that child became parentified. They had to step into the role of responsibility too early in life. And so the sense of being overly responsible takes over their life in adult life and they continue to work themselves to death even in adulthood. And so people who were, were parentified as children missed out on knowing how to have fun, missed out on knowing how to relax and just be in the moment. Because even as a child, they had these serious responsibilities 
placed on them. Uh, uh, another reason that a person could develop workaholism is that they have misaligned values. Maybe the value system in their household growing up that material things is all that matter. It's all about the big house and the big car. So you have to work harder and longer regardless of what it takes to get those things, those material things. So we're quickly out of time today. I, I also wanted to cover the point on what to do if you're a workaholic, but I, I think I'm going to have to devote the next show that I do to that, and I'm going to go over six or seven points of what to do if you're a workaholic if you are a workaholic. So stay tuned next week when we are going to have that other part of the show, what to do if you're a workaholic. I want to thank you so much for being with us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. I want to remind you that we are a not-for-profit organization. You can support us through our website, elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. We count on your donations to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling. So if you like this show, remember to consider making a generous donation to this ministry. You can also support us by by subscribing to us on our YouTube channel. So I want to thank you for listening to us today and remind you that we are on the air next week at 9.30 a.m. Next week, Monday at 9.30 a.m. Our website is elimcounselingministry.com. So until next time, this is Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. <music>